Hello, and welcome to the latest edition of the FT Advisor podcast. I'm Damien Fantato, digital editor of FT Advisor. On Wednesday, Chancellor Rishi Sunak delivered his first budget, the first budget since Brexit and the first budget since 2018. A lot of the headlines went to the £30 billion he spent protecting the UK economy from the impact of the spread of COVID-19. But that doesn't mean there weren't other issues for us to dissect as well. I'm here with Fiona Tate, Technical Director at Intelligent Pensions. Hello, Fiona. Hello. Hello. Good morning, everybody. No, you're Fiona. Um, And hello to Quentin Holland, partner at advice firm The Private Office. Hello, Quentin. Hello. How lovely to be here. So it was widely expected that there would be some action on the tapered annual allowance to address the concerns raised by doctors. And action there was. Uh, The Chancellor increased the point at which the annual allowance kicks in by £90,000 to £200,000 as of next month. So, uh, Fiona, has this fixed the problem? Is everybody happy now? I think it has gone as far as uh, could have been expected at this point. Um, There's a lot of time pressure to get something in place. It hasn't helped that we've got COVID-19 and the NHS is right at the top of our our agenda. Um, And in order to abolish the taper, which I think lots of us would have really liked, um, it would have required a fair amount of legislation. So I'd like to see that happen in due course. But given the time pressure, I really think raising the limit and raising it significantly is as as much as we could have expected, really. Mm -hmm. And Quentin, from a financial planning point of view, is this going to have have a great impact on people who are affected by this issue? I think it covers the vast majority of anyone within the country. There's only going to be a very small percentage of people left outside of the tapered annual allowance. And he's coming harder on those as well. So above a certain amount, it's only £4,000 now as opposed to a £10,000 limit. So overall, I think he's taking the lid off a pressure cooker very effectively, whilst leaving in, in, in place the need for the tapered annual allowance to affect the very highest earners. Do you think that there's a need to go further, Quentin? Or do you see this as being the first step in more change? Or is, as far as you're concerned, is this fine? Is... I think we might be moving more towards a, a morality status with taxation. If we look at what's happening with entrepreneurs relief as well, you know, limiting that at one million pounds, one million pounds worth of ta- tax efficient gains from your company is quite a lot of money. Above that, you're going to pay ordinary rates of taxation. The same is happening here with pensions contribution. And I think perhaps there's a move towards a a cuddlier Tory party, God forbid. We'll see. And Fiona, do you, would you like to see more action on, on, on the tapered annual allowance in the future? Um, I certainly would. Sorry, I'm still reeling from the idea of a cuddly Tory party. Um, Yes, I think there there is more to come. I accept, um, as I say, that the, the change has been better than ex- you know, we could expect, and uh, there are very few people affected by it. But it isn't um, just about the actual um, being affected by the, the tapered annual allowance, but the actual practicalities of, of using it um, haven't been addressed. So um, it's still an exceedingly complicated uh, methodology. You need to know, you know all details about an individual's income. Um, and some of those details you actually don't know until after you've had to decide what you're going to do in terms of, of paying pension contributions. So it, it really needs to be simplified. And I think that while they're at it, there are other areas of, of, of simplification on pension tax relief that could be looked at. Um, and 
you know, there is an incentive for the government as well to make sure that they're, they're looking at whether or not tax relief um, is working to achieve the ends that it's intended to do, i.e. Um, encourage the right people to save for their own retirement. So, yes, I would like to see more during the course of this administration. And uh, Quentin touched on entrepreneurs' relief, which um, the amount available to those selling their business has now been reduced to £1 million over a lifetime, down from £10 million. Uh, Quentin, the Chancellor said he wanted to keep the benefits of entrepreneurs' relief while eliminating sort of the negative stuff that he said made it one of the worst tax reliefs in the UK. Do you think he's succeeded? I think that uh, as someone who sold their business themselves four years ago, I think that uh, a £1 million tax relief status is, is generous to, to anyone's imagination. Uh, so in that regard, I think it's fine by me. I understand that lots and lots of other people want to use more. But quite frankly, does it need to be tax relieved if you've made £9 million? I'm not sure that it does. Uh, so in some ways, I think that tidies it up. What concerns me is the continued use by some people of uh, these reliefs to twist the taxation to not where it was intended to be used. Mm-hmm. And Fiona, does this uh, mean that people are more likely to be uh, reliant on their pensions? Yes, I, I certainly um, a knock-on effect of this is that uh, there may be some individuals who um, have quite a lot of, um, of their resources invested in the company, but not very much in their pension. And they might want to perhaps consider whether it will be better to put more into a pension, which is you know, very, very tax efficient, um, rather than leaving it within the company. Yes, I, I'm with you all the way on that as well. I'm, I'm still puzzled as to why we have a lifetime allowance on pensions myself in the in the capping a pension uh, for those who take risk with their investments seems very odd to me i totally understand the the taxation limitations on input but 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 on the growth of it i find it very very strange indeed and i would yeah. far prefer yeah. to see the lifetime allowance disappear myself than, than the annual allowance i i would totally agree with that um when it comes to defined pension, uh, defined contribution pensions, um, it does seem to be, um, you know, a punishment for for doing well uh, with your investments. Um, where it may well still have a place is with defined benefit schemes. And and again, I come back to this is why an over a wider review to to look at the you know what tax relief rules are actually doing and what they're rewarding is probably um, worth doing. Mm-hmm. I'd agree with you totally in that, and, and I think that the trouble is that so many practitioners still don't understand the benefit, the, the difference between defined contribution and defined benefit benefits, uh, and, yeah. and, and, and therein lies the problem with the taxation of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I guess I, another issue is that um, I, I've been banging on about simplification, and I think if, if we'd stuck with it, it would have been a, a great thing. Um, but one of the things they tried to do was to um, treat DB and DC the same. And I, I absolutely see that's quite laudable that people would try and do that because, it, it, you know, the differences were huge before. But I wonder if we've gone too far and we maybe actually need to say, well, do you know what? They are fundamentally a little bit different. Mm-hmm. Now, now, speaking of reviews, um, the one of the things that the Chancellor did uh, this week was he launched a review into the net pay anomaly which means that low earners miss out on a 20% boost to their uh, pension contributions. Uh, Fiona, obviously this is still very much at the review stage, but um, 
firstly, are you pleased to see that this is now being could potentially be addressed? And what thoughts do you have on how they could go about it? Um, at the risk of using a bad marketing word, I'm absolutely delighted that they're <laughs> looking at it. Um, you know, people, it, this point has been made for for, for several years, um, and it's about time somebody addressed it. Um, we, you know, the, the whole advantage of having, oh, so one of the major advantages of having a workplace pension is that your employer will manage your contributions for you, so you don't need to do anything. Um, but that then means that the, the worker has no choice as to how those contributions are collected and treated from um, the point of view of tax relief. Um, so for most people, it, it wouldn't necessarily make that much difference. But for the people in the in the category. Um, where they don't qualify for, you know, they don't pay basic rate tax relief. Um, if you don't pay the tax, you don't get the relief. Mm. Um, and uh, that might seem fair, but it, it's not the situation for those who have a relief at source case because they get the tax relief anyway. And, and it really ought to be um, at least, at the very least, leveled up. Um, and I think a, a point that we, we sort of discussed earlier is that these people are also the same people that are probably going to be impacted by the change or the rise in the national insurance threshold. Um, again, overall, that's an incredibly positive change. So, as a just to clarify, the national insurance has gone up. Uh, threshold has gone up to nine thousand five hundred pounds. Um, Quentin, what effect do you think that will have? So, the, the the raising of the national insurance threshold will mean that that. Uh, depending on whether you believe that the Treasury or the OBR, it will be about £180 a year that people will save per annum in their cost of taxation, uh, as long as they're earning that much money. Uh, what that has done, though, is it pushes the bottom level at which your employer needs to pay into a pension for you up. And so you've also lost out marginally uh, that amount of contribution into your pension. To take up on the uh, tidying up of uh, net pay into pensions as well, I think that, that there are several anomalies that still sit within the taxation world. Another obvious one is the, is the huge taxation of people over £100,000 with their loss of personal allowance. And I think just taking these, these annoyances away can only be good because somebody who earns £105,000 a year probably doesn't even have a clue that he's paying 60% tax on that. So, Fiona, on, on with the, from a pension point, contribution point of view, on the one hand, the, the increase in national, national insurance threshold um, maybe takes something away, but on the other hand, the net um, pay review might give something. So on the, it's giving with one hand, taking with the other, maybe? As it stands, it, it could be seen that way. Um, I... I want to bear in mind, we, we also still haven't had any further action on the review into automatic enrolment that was carried out in 2017. And one of the suggestions was that they would remove the lower contribution threshold um, and therefore the, the issue of NI would disappear. So there's probably further work to do. Once again, I have to agree with you, which is always a good thing to do. Uh, I think the, uh, the the reality of it is exactly that. I think this is not giving with one hand and taking away with the other. I think it is very possibly the law of unintended consequence coming into play. So the raising of the national insurance uh, lower limit was a uh, manifesto pledge, and they're putting that into play. They didn't. I'm not sure that necessarily the Chancellor realised that a lot of people, especially at the lower end, are going to miss out on company and personal contributions. 
as Helen says, the lower it, taking off of the lower earning limit on workplace pensions, which I think is one of the best bits of legislation I've ever seen in my life, uh, will resolve the problem absolutely because then even the lowest paid worker will have to have a pension contribution made every month and I think that's a fantastic thing. Automatic enrolment generally I think you would go a long way to find anybody in pensions who didn't believe this was one of the, the, the greatest successes we've had in recent years um, but uh, it did make sense to review it and to see if things needed to change and one of the things I think that it certainly could change is, is removing this, this lower earnings limit. And also looking at the, the, the ages of people who are, um, when, when people start to be automatically enrolled, that was another suggestion um, that was in there at the same time. Without doubt, I have yet to hear a client within the market ever tell me they have too much pension. <laughs> <laughs> I did hear a lovely story on, on the train, um, two ladies talking about the fact that their pension contribution had gone up um, because, of course, minimum contributions went up. Um, and the lady uh, who was talking about it said actually she didn't mind at all because it had gone up at the same time as her salary and she felt it was all for her benefit anyway. Yes, absolutely. One of the um, um, takeaways of this budget is that it's definitely a spending budget. I mentioned the £30 billion pounds that was um, earmarked for um, tackling um, the coronavirus. Um, there's some suggestion that there might be another budget later in the year um, once that, that's settled down a little bit. Um, do you, Quentin, do you think maybe that there's, um, might be some, um, a little bit more stick later in the year? I think, I think the Conservative Party have come in with an enormous mandate. Uh, they, without doubt, have had to rein in on a lot of their plans because of coronavirus. But I think the, uh, the, the Treasury and the Bank of England working together, dropping interest rates so that the borrowing that he then has put in play into the budget is really sensible. I think we need to support the economy. I mean, markets have fallen out of bed again this morning. Um, and uh, that what we have seen today is an opening of the tins that the Chancellor wants to explore. I think he's probably had to be much more limited in what he has done than he might like to have done, and we'll have to wait and see how that comes into play. The intention certainly is the two budgets a year, yes. Mm -hmm. um, and let's hope the coronavirus has gone by then. Mm -hmm. And certainly um, the Chancellor in his statement said that he thinks now is the time that uh, the government should be stepping up to support the economy, and particularly with uh, coronavirus, and that's absolutely um, I don't think anyone would argue with that, um, but he's given that as a reason why it's, uh, you know, we've got low interest rates uh, and that's a reason why um, increasing borrowing at this point in time is, is not, a, not a bad thing. It can still be done within the sort of fiscal en envelope. Um, and that, that's true at this point in time, but of course we, we are in a low interest rate environment and that could change. Um, and uh, I don't think that continuing to borrow is, is, is a long-term strategy. And uh, as a, a completely um, pensions head person, um, I'm always concerned that when governments start looking for money, um, they start looking at what they're spending on things like pension tax relief. Mm. Um, so I, I retain a certain level of concern that um, we could still see further changes. Mm. What did Philip Hammond said that pensions tax relief was eye-wateringly expensive or something along those lines, didn't he? Eye-wateringly expensive is, I believe, an absolutely accurate quote. Mm. So among the um, among the, the the things that were mooted in in this budget was 
some action to address the recent review of inheritance tax, potential reforms of pensions tax relief, uh, social care reform still hasn't seen the light of day. Um, obviously, the coronavirus may well have um, pushed some of these down the, down the pecking order. Um, Quentin, is there anything in particular that you um, dis were disappointed to not, not to have seen or pleased not to have seen? Without doubt, uh, I think that the greening of our economy is a vital part of this new government. I think that the withdrawal of pink diesel for many sectors of, of industry, not all, many sectors of industry, uh, is probably timed right. I think we've said thank you for the war for long enough now. I'm an ex-soldier myself, so you know I'm a huge fan of what we have done, but I do think we can now stop saying the farmers deserve that. It's really interesting to see how we are going to deal with the removal of agricultural policy from the EU and how we're going to move that forwards. I think that we have started to see a little bit of what perhaps might come, uh, but it certainly seems to me to have been reined in by the emergency measures that are necessary at the moment. I agree with Fiona on, on, on the matter of borrowing and, and that it should only be a short-term effect. Uh, but I think that in the way in which he has given small businesses statutory sickness pay, the self-employed are being given easier access to short-term cash flow to ease the pain of coronavirus, I think is an excellent move. Of course, it's not going to relieve all of the pain. But I think the, the cash flow help will be really, really valuable to some businesses and will stop some businesses from going bust. Mm -hmm. And Fiona, what's your overall assessment of the budget, um, whether there's anything that you're disappointed or pleased not to have seen? Um, I, I agree. I think it's a very good um, budget from the point of view of cash flow. Um, I, I don't think there's anything that I'm hugely disappointed that isn't there at this stage. Um, but I feel that it's the, the balance sheet that will need to be looked at in the longer term, and I'll be very interested to see um, what they bring in then. I think also that, that there have been some really nice little tidying up things, uh, life assurance bonds and the taxation of those and uh, top slicing relief has been a very complex area for the last few years uh, with the court still fighting over it and, uh, and he said that he's going to clear that up uh, and various other things and I think that's only good news. Thank you Fiona and thank you Quentin for uh, taking part in this week's episode and thank you for tuning in and tuning in again next week for the next edition. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much, but when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.